Welcome to episode 18 of Mother's Ruin. Welcome back. Or for the first time. I don't know what you've been doing with this uh, podcast. I don't know what audio listening is. Yeah. So welcome. Yeah, um, in this week's show we've got part two of the story of gin bottles, gin names and gin labels. Yes, part two, so that's why you should be listening in order. So <laughs> this is the first time you're a fool to yourself. No, but part one was way back in season one. Yeah. So you don't need to listen to part one in order to oh, listen no, to part two. It's not a two. continuation. No. It's just uh, an overspill, yeah. if you will. Um, we've also got an interview with Rob from Cotswolds Gin, yes. which is one of our absolute favourite gins in the whole world. So really excited about that. And, of course, all the latest gin news. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, I hope you're keeping warm. Get your hot water bottles out. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm about to embark on a six-hour journey across the frozen wastelands yes. of England. Yeah, it's probably about minus five here, so we can't really complain too much, but uh hope everyone's uh, not snowed in. And if you are, then pour yourself a gin and enjoy the show. What do we have in store today? Well, last season uh, saw part one of our exploration of gin names, bottles and labels. But there were too many to fit into one show. Yes, there's a lot of labels. Yeah. So um, here comes part two, basically. So we really wanted to cover this again because there's something really interesting about gin labels and their bottles and their names. They're made in every continent of the world. I think most hotels and restaurants have got gin bottles hanging about all over with candles in them and exactly. it's taken over the wine bottle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and some of them are really iconic <clears throat> and you can learn about history, you can learn about geography and science simply from a, a gin bottle. So let's have a look at some of the gin bottles, labels and names that we didn't cover last time. Let's do that then. Okay, so let's start this tale on the southern coast of Norway. I know it cost a bit, but... Yeah. <laughs> Six seems a bit excessive for a podcast. <laughs> Let's go in our minds to the yeah, southern coast of Norway, where pine-strewn granite rocks sweep down to ice-blue seas. Here, you might, if you're very lucky, catch a glimpse of the mysterious Harahorn. With the body of a hare and moose-like horns, this mythical creature is rarely seen by the human eye. Just a minute. Yeah? A rabbit with moose horns, <laughs> not stag horns. <laughs> I think someone's heard fairy tales and made the run up. <laughs> We're getting deja vu here yeah. because this is exactly how our part one started with the mysterious jackalope, which appears on the bottle of the drum shambo, yes. Irish gunpowder gin. But here he is again. Where, where's he at? He's... Norway. Oh. I wonder who came up with that first. Well, it's been around in mythology for centuries and centuries and while the American version is called the jackalope there are European versions called many many different things and here we have an example on yet another gin bottle so Harahorn gin is like Drumshanbo a blue bottle bearing the symbol of this mythical beast the gin itself is very punchy it's quite a potent juniper forward gin with uh, blueberry and citrus notes mm -hmm. um, and if you've ever traveled on an SAS Scandinavian Airways flight mm -hmm. which I haven't no you might have tried Harahorn gin there it's actually the name of a mountain in Norway far far away from the Grimstad distillery 
but the deep blue bottle and horned hair logo are designed to stick in the mind and I they certainly do. I mean, it's an absolutely beautiful bottle. Right. The illustration's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. I'd like to try this gin. It sounds... Strong. Yes. Like the beast itself. Like the beast itself. It's about 46% volume. Um, and apparently, yeah, packs quite the punch. But now what we didn't talk about last time when we talked about the jackalope is the slightly less romantic proposed scientific origin of the horned hare. Yes, and what happened there then? Well, it's thought that the myth might be traceable back to sightings of hares infected with the Shope papilloma virus, which actually leads to horn-like growths on their head. Hmm. Yes, it's uh, not quite as mystical as a proud no. beast standing in the sun no. on, on the mountain with the horns all proud. Yeah. When it's like, if you ever just do that, it's just going... <laughs> He's just a bit poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Takes away from the magic of it. Yeah, it does a bit. Nice to take the magic out of everything. Just yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry about that. But um, I couldn't resist a bit revisit of our good old friend, the horned hare. Good old horned hare. Yeah. And like part one of this show, the animal theme once again takes precedence, I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. As we... <laughs> a bit afraid of the horn, but... Yeah. Um, so we're going to move on to one of the most famous animal depictions, and that is the boar on the Gordon's gin bottle. Now, this might not be particularly resonant for you and me as Brits mm-hmm. um, and any, anyone else listening in the UK who may be thinking, wait, the Gordon's bottle doesn't have a bore on it at all. And that is because Gordon's is exported under a completely different branding to the British version. Yes, when I was in, the, when I was in France earlier this year, it was, um, it was bright yellow and red yes, label. Yes, exactly. With the, uh, with the bore on it. With the bore on it. It's basically the only gin with both a home kit and an away kit. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Gordon started by bottling their gin in what Brits will consider its signature green glass in the early 20th century. Shortly afterwards, they had their first big order from overseas, in this case, Australia. And to mark the occasion, they designed a special export label. Now, they were absolutely delighted with the finished result, but when they stuck it on the green bottle, it looked awful. It looked a bit gaudy and garish. So rather than go back to the drawing board and redesign the label, they simply changed the export bottle to a clear one. Yeah. Which is why green for Britain, clear for everywhere else. Yeah. Mm. I had I had noticed that uh, we're the only ones that get the uh, get the Gordon's bottle that's green. Mm. I was like, oh, I've got one of those. It looks like a collector's thing, but really, ours is the collector's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, and I always thought maybe it was just a slightly different recipe, but no, no exactly, exactly the same yeah. stuff. Yeah. So legend has it that a member of the Gordon's clan saved the King of Scotland from a wild boar when out hunting. Sounds all very Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Robert Baratheon could have um, could yeah. have done with that. Right. Um, ev- Spoiler. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Ever since the uh, ancestors of Alexander Gordon sported a boar's head on their coat of arms, and the boar does appear on the UK bottle, but only very small on the cap, which I hadn't actually noticed at all. Oh, there you go. Mm. I didn't notice that. It shows how much you've got to look, how intricate some bottles are that you've got to. Yeah. You've looked at it all your life, really, the Gardens one, and uh, all of a sudden you thought, oh, yeah, there's a bore in the there's cup. A bore. <laughs> yeah. I went to go and get a bottle, uh, an empty bottle of Gardens to have a look for the bore, but I'm not sure we've got one. No, I don't think we have. No. Now, shall we meet a ram? Let's meet a ram. <laughs> okay. So Sounds it... like a kid's book. <laughs> shall we meet shall a ram? Shall we meet a ram? A ram has curly horns. <laughs> now, in order to do so, we have to di- uh, travel to Yorkshire. 
Thank you. We can do that better than Norway. <laughs> yeah, a bit easier. Uh, the Yorkshire Dales Distillery is a family-run craft distillery just outside the historic market town of Richmond. Now, they gather locally sourced ingredients to give their gins a really distinctive Yorkshire accent, and they produce the gins Purple Ram Gin, Desert Ram Gin and Wild Ram Gin. Yes, I, I think we've got uh, a couple of miniatures with them. I think we've got one of each, actually. There's one of each, yes, yeah. uh, because I liked the design. And yeah. then I tried the gin and it was a delight. I haven't tried it yet, I have to Three say. different strengths, I think it is. Does it have a distinctive Yorkshire accent? Yes. I'll try it later when you've when gone. When I poured it into a glass, I went, splash, swirl. <laughs> no, drink it. <laughs> go on, go on, I'll have a drink. I'm sorry to anyone in Yorkshire, that was that was highly offensive. I don't know why when I do a Yorkshire accent, I always do this like raspy thing. I think it's because uh, you know people are talking like that. <laughs> you alright? Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah. Now, the Ram uh, does have associations with Yorkshire. The regional American football team is called the Yorkshire Rams for a start. Now they must be pretty good because when I tried to find more information about Rams in Yorkshire, I could find bugger all else in the Google results other than the Yorkshire Rams. And yes, I even tried excluding pages that contained the words American football, still could only get the Yorkshire Rams. Um, it's apparently quite a good American football team. But uh, I, did, I did used to drive past a lot of sheep and rams on my way to work between Leeds and Harrogate when I lived there. Yeah, give you a wee ever. <laughs> never, Try never. Charming gin, love. <laughs> not not Try once gin. was I offered a glass of lovely gin. How rude. I know. Now the ram bottles are narrow and rectangular, kind of a bit like the British Gordon's bottle, but clear. They didn't want to go down the same route as other spirit brands, so they say that the square dimple decanter sits really beautifully in the hand, so when you pick them up your fingers almost mould around the dimples. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, a flask. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, they also chose them uh, as they're supplied by local supplier and the main focus as a brand for the Yorkshire Dales distillery is all about supporting local businesses. I find that about gin companies. Yeah. That's what I've discovered a lot of and I'm sure you've realised that seeing the trend uh, as we've gone through this podcast that all of the gin suppliers like really do support local business. Very and, dedicated to the and, local communities, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, local communities, it's always locally gathered stuff. Yeah. It's always uh, people that work there, it'll be from the local area. Yeah. It's, it's quite a nice little thing with all the businesses shutting down. It's nice to see that this is flourishing and becoming a family business or a, or a community business. It's, uh, it's lovely. It's really nice. Exactly. And sometimes you, d- you don't get those stories until we start talking about things like the label and the bottle and the name. Yeah, and so it's, it's, done, it's done genuinely rather than just for a bit of public... Oh, a family-owned business? Yeah, exactly. Rather than screaming and shouting about it. They just get on with it. Yeah, and then when you look below the yeah, surface... Yeah, you've got to research it to find out just how nice uh, the gin community is. Yeah, absolutely. And this company... Um, exactly. And yeah, the Yorkshire Dales Distillery are also committed to employing young people, veterans, ex-offenders, and the long-term term unemployed and all of their employees fit into one of those categories which I think is absolutely lovely. Yeah it is nice And um, Tony, one of the founders, has a background in the armed forces and they still do a lot for the veteran community as well. Yeah wait there's, uh, they've got army and navy strength gym. Yes, yes yeah. that's right yeah. The army strength I thought would be really really strong I think it's 50. Is it? Yeah 50% and uh, it was it was like cream it was so smooth. Was it? It's beautiful yeah. I must try it and have you tried the navy strength yes, one? Yes I've tried the navy strength one that takes your head off but it's uh, it's nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Gin. I mean it is it is a very very nice it's very very perfumey uh, very very is the lavender in it? I think there's a lot of lavender in it. I'm not entirely sure actually about the recipe yeah, around gin. It's 
Quite floral, is yeah, it? Yeah, very floral. Oh. It's, it's lovely. It's I very might nice. Have, I yeah. might have one of them tonight. Treat yeah. So from fauna to flora we go. And so let's talk about another common trend in gin label design, botanicals. Yes. Many, many gin bottles depict in some shape or form the botanicals that go into the drink on yeah. their bottles and labels. And so here I've picked out a couple of my personal favourites. Yeah, pa, 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 <laughs> Heppel and Agnes Arbor. Yes, delightful bottles. Two beautiful bottles. So the Heppel emblem is a lush profusion of juniper. It wraps around the bottle um, and parts in the middle to expose the gin's name. Now this gorgeous label, which isn't actually a label, it's a design printed straight onto the bottle, was created by the iconic design studio, studio Timorous Beasties. Yes, I have seen them. They're absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Very expensive. Very expensive. Because I was like, oh, I wouldn't mind that wallpaper. Oh, dear me. Yeah. Basi- I don't seem to have won the lottery six times. Exactly. They basically designed the most luxurious and expensive wallpaper that you're going to find this side of the French Revolution. Yeah. Um, they were drafted in by the Moreland Spirit Company to express how Heppel brings the green juniper vividly into every bottle. Yeah. They also wanted to encapsulate the wildness and freshness of the spirit while preserving some of the science that lies behind the Heppel triple technique system. We talked about that on the recent gin glossary show where yeah. they do the, um, what did you call it? The, is it the... Car- carbon dioxide blasting or something? Yeah, yeah, that's where they absolutely destroy the juniper uh, berries as it goes through with carbon Oh, that's berries. right, yeah. So every, every part gets more or less used, yeah. Yeah. They share the worldview of the art critic John Ruskin. Ruskin believed that nature and human society are inextricably linked. So science, nature and the human experience all meet in the work of Timorous Beasties as well to create pieces that truly delight the spirit. Ah, see, I've seen... Uh, I do like the Timorous Beasties design. If you have a look at it, it's all, sometimes it's, uh, it looks like just a normal pattern, but if you look closer, it's... Sometimes very rude. You showed me one the other day that looked like one of those really classic old Victorian kind of pastoral scenes. But then when you look a bit closer, there's like, you know... People drinking scrumpy jack yeah, on the street. Yeah, someone on a quad bike yeah. and stuff. And uh, trolleys in, in rivers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that really sums up that philosophy that you think you're looking at nature and actually you're looking at a depiction of, you know, just everyday human experience. But to the naked eye, they immediately appear the same thing on first glance. I love that. Now, Agnes Arbor. Good old Agnes. This bottle, do you know, it might be my favourite gin bottle of all time. That's a strong I claim. I absolutely love it. I've got one on the mantelpiece. Um, we've just get, we've just had a delivery as well of some more beautiful stuff. Yes, we have. And I'm so excited because it's the bottle is beautiful, but it's not just a pretty face. The gin itself is absolutely oh, gorgeous. When I taste the gin, well, when I first tasted it, I thought lavender, that's absolutely lavender. And then when I actually look more closely at the bottle, it's not lavender, it's iris that gives it that floral flavour, apparently. So you made yourself look quite the fool there, haven't you, Sarah? I have. I mean, I don't know how different iris and lavender taste, but definitely got that lovely floralness about yes. it with a bit of citrus beautiful and the bottle just the design on it's just absolutely stunning isn't it yeah yeah it's 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 um so yeah it's this kind of trying to describe it it's like a tall squarish bottle with white with white opaque glass and art deco font with the name on top and then beneath the art deco font there's this multicolored bouquet of botanicals blooming underneath beautifully sketched gorgeously sketched yeah but it's the name that i want to talk about here 
because it serves as a tribute to the first woman botanist to be elected as a fellow of the Royal Society. Good old Agnes. Agnes Arbor, yeah. She published her first piece of research at eight at the age of 15, mm. gained two degrees at University College London and Newnham College Cambridge, scoring a first in every single exam. She was amazing. She had a little laboratory in the back room of her house where she would do little plant experiments. Um, she published multiple books and then later turned her hand to philosophy. That's incredible. Lived till, I think she was about 90 and had a daughter who also lived till she was about 90. Uh, their daughter just passed away in 2004. Oh. Yeah. It's a wonderful story. I mean... Was she the last in the lane of the Agnes Arbors? Clan? I don't know actually I don't know I, I didn't I couldn't find that information but uh, I think it's really nice that this is the tribute to this um, pioneering woman if you are uh, one of Agnes Arbor's uh, relatives do get in touch yeah do yeah let That'd us know lovely. how the clan are getting on just doing hi just doing hi loving your stuff loving your <laughs> uh, uh so she was a she was a young girl yeah in a, in a man's world yeah Getting all the degrees and doing experiments with plants. Yeah. So she was basically poison ivy from Batman. Well, you could call her that. Yep, I'm calling her that. All right. <laughs> now, do you want a quiz? All right. Okay. Can't guarantee you I'm uh, going to score highly today. No, you're not looking very well. No. We are well sometimes, by the way, uh, <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Just, uh, this this cord's been hard to shake. Yeah. Give me a quiz then. Okay. Six questions, all about gin names, gin bottles and gin labels. Gin names, gin names. Question one. When Beefeater was founded in 1876, what was so unusual about its name? Um, well, Beefeater is not called Beefeater's then? No. Um. Okay, think of the other old gin companies. Oh yeah, so it wasn't named after a specific person. Yeah, exactly. It was named after a group of people. Yeah. That's right, it wasn't named after the founding family, basically. Right, okay. Yes. So Gordon's was founded in 1769, Tancro was founded in 1830, Beefeater followed in 1876, and these were the three big players in the British gin market at the time. Beefeater broke the mould by naming its gin after the ceremonial guards of the Tower of London. Mm. Well, I was going to say, where have you met, Oh, yeah, Matt's got a mate who lives in the Tower of London. Incredible. Yeah. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. Now, the name Beefeaters is often thought to come from the French word bouffetier. Bouffetier. Bouffetier were the guards in the palace of the French kings who protected the king's food. The buffet, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, however, the name Beefeater is more likely to have originated from the time when the yeoman warders at the tower were paid part of their salary with chunks of beef. This apparently took place right up until the 1800s. That's it. In Siena. <laughs> Paycheck time, boys. Right, that's uh, £712 and three steaks. <laughs> Can I overtime get some sausages? <laughs> some Parma ham at Christmas. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, I'll give you a point for that one. Right, I must admit, I took the long way around. I don't yeah. deserve that point, but okay. I'm feeling generous. Don't we just take it off you again? Yes, yeah, take it off. All right, okay. I feel, I feel ashamed of yourself. <laughs> okay. Question number two. Roku is a lovely Japanese gin, but what does Roku mean? Mm. I don't know, but I'll tell you what I do like about it. Mm. It's made by the Santori. Uh, it is made by the Santori company, yeah. And I, just, I just get images of Bill Murray going, for 
or relaxing time. Relaxing time. Make it Suntory time. Suntory time. With more intensity! With more intensity! <laughs> Such a good film. Um, <laughs> Roku Jim, what does Roku mean? Um, Do you want a clue? Yes, I'd best have a clue. I'd best have a clue. Okay, this is going to make it way too easy. Think of, think of the shape of the bottle. Does it mean hexagon? It, it means six. Six? Yes, yeah. So it's Japanese for six, and that is what the Japanese character on the front means. Ah. Yeah, it's so called because of the six natural Japanese botanicals in it, and the bottle is aptly a hexagon. It is a delightful gin as well. We'll have to do a tasting. Yes, let's do a tasting. Let's do a taste. Why haven't we done a bottle of the gins for a while? Let's do a bottle yeah, of the gins. Yeah, okay. With the Japanese gins, because yeah. we've got a Kuro as well. Um, and the, the label is printed on Japanese washi paper. I'm going to stay on the Japanese theme for question three. What Japanese-inspired gin translates into English as heart? Is it cool? It's not. You're very, it's, it's almost the same word. It's Kokoro gin. I don't think I'm aware of this gin. I think it's a Manchester company. So Kokoro is so called because founder James Nicholl believes it transports you to the heart of the forest. It's made using sancho berries picked in Japan's Afan woodland and the symbol on the front creates the sound Kokoro in the hiragana phonetic alphabet. Meanwhile, the symbols on the neck seal mean soul of the forest or a forest spirit depending on which way up you read them. Oh, Kokoro, well, we'll have to look out for that. Yeah. Maybe we should get uh, some of that. Yeah. Uh, Kokoro Jen, if you're listening. Yeah. Maybe send us a sample so we can uh, test it. That's my dream podcast. We want to taste the heart of the forest. Thank yeah, you very much. Transport me to the heart of the forest. <laughs> I'll pick you some berries when I come back. <laughs> okay, final Japanese question. Which Japanese-inspired gin means black? I'll give you a clue. You've just said it. Kuro. Yes, it is Kuro, yeah. We have got that. We have got that, yeah. It's made using bamboo-activated charcoal as a botanical, hence That's the name. Crazy what, what's in gin. I know, there. just burned bamboo, basically. It's like pandas left the oven on. <laughs> All right, question number five. Which Scottish gin is named after one of its botanicals, Rhodiola rosea? Rhodiola rosea, that sounds familiar. Rose... Rock Rose. Yay! Yay! Well done. Rock Rose, yeah. Um, Rodolia Rosea means a rose in the rocks and is one of its 18 botanicals. Rodolia Rosea grows in Arctic regions of Europe and northern Britain. I think uh, Rock Rose is produced right on the northernmost tip of mainland Scotland. Oh, that's cool. Very, very cold. It's long been used in traditional medicine for several disorders, including treatment of anxiety and depression. Vikings would harvest it to uh, give them extra strength to continue on their long, arduous journeys. For rock rose gin, they use the root of the plant, which apparently has the most wonderful rose aroma and adds a delicate floral note to their gin. It's made how people just must just look through plants to see what tastes nice for ages. Yeah, I, but again, it's good. the fact that that's a job. I know. Plant tester for flavour. Well, I was once reading this book about testing plants in, like in a survival situation. Just a bit of light reading for, a, for an afternoon. Yeah, that's, that's and it was telling you how to test if a plant is edible. Is that you, um, you get the plant and you mush it up and you, you rub it on the corner of your lip and then you wait like three hours. And if, the, if it doesn't cause a reaction, you eat a tiny bit of it and then you wait another three hours. And then if you don't get a reaction, you boil, it, boil the shit out of it. 
and then you can eat it. Mm-hmm. You know, some till the point you've died of starvation. <clears throat> yes, seven it's hours quite, later. It's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, the, the Vikings did that for us, uh, so we don't have to. Uh, Question six: Which gin has a stopper in the shape of the philosopher's stone? Philosopher's stone. Oh God, Harry Potter hasn't leaked into gin as well. No, it? well, the Philosopher's Stone. I know the Philosopher's Stone's not a Harry Potter thing. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was before Harry. Well, okay, the Philosopher's Stone was said to have the power to turn base metals into gold and hold the secret of eternal life. Ah, uh, really? So. It's taken many visual forms, one of which is an asymmetric object, rather like the stopper in this gin, in question, and it, yeah, it's basically a tool of alchemy. Hmm. Um. Some sort of alchemic gin? <laughs> yes, you're on the right track. It is alchemist gin. Alchemist gin. Uh, it was spelled with two Ks. Ah, I've not, I've not seen that bottle. I've never heard of that. It's um, it's a really nice bottle. And yeah, the stopper is this... Um, it's kind of like Philosopher's a weird... Philosopher's stone shape. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to describe the philosopher's stone shape in words. It's like um, almost like a droplet on its side. All right. It's very, very nice. Alchemist gin is distilled just 12 times a year under a full moon to help inspire the mystic aura that its name suggests. That's a very cool gin. Mm. It's a bit like, uh, it sounds like a boutique gin type uh, situation. Yeah, like. exactly. Or do you remember that cursed gin from the ghosty show? Oh, yes, I the cursed gin. That's, that's, that's um, distilled under a full moon with cursed apples. Yeah, cursed yeah. apples. <laughs> Evil apples. Yeah. Right, that wraps that up. Well, we've learned a lot. Yeah, I could have gone on for bottle after bottle more. Well, we can we can make sure there's a part three of this. One. Yes, we can. That's what we'll do. Gin news headlines today. Good of all mankind. Isle of Man Distillery offers refills on their artisan gin, and Sin Gin for the win. Birmingham nosy neighbours shut down over gin argument. Well, good of all monks kind. The Isle of Man Distillery, the, let's get this right, Finauderie Distillery, is offering refills on their artisan gin to cut down on waste. That's great. It's a noble cause, isn't it? Yeah, it's an unusual name. Yes, apparently it's based on an ancient folklore tale from the island. Based on the north of the island in a region where the last Manx juniper tree was reputed to grow and where juniper's being reintroduced. So, Aww. more environmental news. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's handy for them to have their own juniper supply as well. Yes. I imagine. yes. Yeah. But, uh, of course, cutting down on the, on the thing. And apparently, they're going all the way... Because the part of... Is it UNESCO biosphere? The whole island is It's like a... It's, well, it's basically like a... a like UNESCO um, site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where it's like uh, preserved and yeah. uh, looked after and stuff like that. And, and everything's trying to get much more environmentally sound. They're moving to a bigger site to build a distillery. And they made a lot of money in the first year, which is quite impressive amount of money. And uh, they're ploughing it back in and making it much more sustainable. That's great. Well done to uh, Tiffany Karouish and her gang. Do you know, I grew up in West Cumbria and on a clear day, you can see the Isle of Man from West Cumbria... So I've seen the Isle of Man many, many times. Never been there. Yeah. Would love to go. Yeah, we should pop over because there's some great uh, gins being made over there. Mm, and all the old castles and... Three distilleries over there now. Oh, is there? Three distilleries, yeah. So that, and old castles and apparently brand new juniper bushes we should go and check out. Yeah. So uh, do you get a discount on your juniper? Yes, you get, a dis- you get a discount if you get a refill, which is 
perfectly fine. They save on glass. It saves the company money. It saves you money and obviously the environment. Tiffany said they're ploughing money back in to reduce the waste even further, including the plastic seals on the uh, on the bottle tops as well. And I've just looked at the bottles. What beautiful designs they are as well. You wouldn't want to um, you wouldn't want to throw them away. Yeah, and um, I heard a thing about very very small pieces of plastic that apparently the smaller the piece of plastic, the harder it is to recycle. So you know the tiny bits of seal that we throw away on our on our plastic packaging, that's, even if you put it in the recycling, it's never going to get recycled. So it's good that they're even thinking about those little yep. bits. Yep, it's uh, very nice that Jin's, uh, Jin's taking a stand on uh, recycling as well. I'm mm. all for that. Yeah, well, a trip to the Isle of Man is in order, I think. Let's do that. Now, Sinjin for the win. I think you remember last week, I think Sin it was. Sinjin, yeah. Sin it's Jin. the lady who's made a little distillery in her garden shed in Catherine Birmingham. Dean. Yeah, in, in memory of her father, I yeah, think it yeah. was. Apparently she was going through his um, belongings when he passed away and found a recipe for a 100-year-old anti-malarial gin. That's right, I remember. Yeah, and she was having trouble because her neighbours said that even the t- even having a there tiny a t- distillery would the, bring crime. Yeah, there was a photo of her on, online and the, the shed is not a quarter the size of... A, a garret. It's, it's it's not even a garret. It is a shed. Right. It is tiny. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it looks like one of those little Wendy houses you used to get. Yeah. Yeah, but obviously full of gin. Yeah. Which wouldn't be acceptable if it was a little Wendy house. No. No. Uh, but so and the, and the neighbours were all like, "Oh, you can't do that." I don't I don't know if they sounded like that. Oh. Oh, yeah. It's the, the Carry On Gang again getting annoyed about <laughs> gin. Oh, you can't do that. That'll bring crime to yeah. the area. So, is there any pubs in that area? Let me just. Yeah. Is there any pubs? Is there any shops? Yeah. So, yep. But she went in front of the council, and Birmingham Council more or less laughed the appeals out of court. So, she is fine. Yay! Congratulations. What's her name again? Catherine. Catherine Dean. Yes. Congratulations, Catherine. On Sinjin. Uh, I hope it grows and grows and grows, and you can buy a massive crime-free factory. Yes, exactly. I'd like to try this gin. I am going to look into getting some. As soon as we finish recording this, I think I can feel malaria coming yes, on. Yes, I've got. I've it. got a touch of the malaise. <laughs> touch of malaria. Malaria. My lord, my lady. Malaria. malaria. <laughs> so, um, yes, that's uh, that's today's gin news. So I am with Rob from. Cotswolds Distilleries. Hello, Rob. Good evening. Hello. How are we? I am. I am tip top, Rob. How's yourself, mate? I am full of the joys of Friday. So I, I understand we're we're interviewing you and you're, and you're trapped in your car just outside because there's crap signal in your hotel. So you just don't freeze to death. That would be a horrible way for this uh, podcast to go. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to go find some gin afterwards. So oh, we'll be such fine. a trooper, so brave. What a soldier. Anything for podcasts, mate. <laughs> Anything for podcasts. So we're doing a bit about the bottle designs, uh, to be honest, and we've, we've been having a look at the Cotswolds because I mean we've, we've often got the bottle out. Uh, it's usually at an angle, tipping into a glass. But uh, we there's a music li- to my ears. Yeah, and there's a little bird on that uh, Cotswolds uh, gin bottle. Is it a pheasant? It's a pheasant. Yeah, that is our mascot, Faustus the pheasant. Faustus. That sounds yeah. Uh, so um, we're very close to Stratford upon Avon, and of course, you know. Um, Faustus would be a prevalent character in um, Dr. Faustus. So Faustus is the name of your, your, your pheasant, pheasant 
Yeah, Vasco? so when you guys That's come cool. down and visit, we've got like a really nice um, copper statue of Faustus in oh. our front uh, our front garden. Um, I mean, the reason behind Faustus is because if you drive to the distillery, there are pheasants absolutely everywhere. I mean, there is an abundance of them, mm-hmm. just scattered all over the place. To be honest with you, I am one wing mirror down as of yesterday. Has <laughs> oh. flown into my car. Hope it wasn't Faustus's brother or something. Yeah. And to be honest, when I got to the distillery, I did sort of flick the V's at Faustus because everyone knows <laughs> how replacing a wing mirror is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the bottle looks like it, we were just discussing this because gin's got a certain like arbitrary design where it's, it's like a medicine bottle or and, or at the minute there seems to be some very colourful and wild designs. But yours, yours almost looks like a, a for want of a better word, a posh bottle of port. Yeah, I mean. The reason behind the bottling was actually we have a bottle company that we use in Italy and the bottle shape that we use is a stock bottle for whiskey. So our whiskey was always our um, our overall intention. We love gin and we've had gin since day one, but we were going to be releasing a bottle of whiskey, uh, the bottle being transparent. Um, yeah. So what we wanted was just the same bottle, but we wanted the dark green to represent not only the fact that it's really, really botanical-driven style of gin, and by that I mean that we use such a high quantity of botanical mass on such a small proportion of neutral grain, that we actually were very careful because of the UV sensitivity that the liquid has, because it's got high oil content. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it goes really like nice and misty when you uh, pour your... Yeah, the gin emulsifies and yeah. goes... And we didn't really think that a clear bottle would suit that liquid. You know, if if the gin drops below two degrees, then it hazes straight away. And you don't really want that in a clear bottle. So we thought that the dark green would represent it quite nicely. Um, And yeah, you know, if you stack all the bottles next to each other, they're they're all the same shape and they're just different colours to represent different liquids. What other gins have you got in the pipeline then? Have you got any sneaky, sneaky secrets you can reveal to us? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I can't divulge to how, to what extent we're going to be releasing them commercially, yeah. but um, we've recently developed a ginger gin. Ooh. In which we took our London dry gin, the one that you've tasted it, and yeah, we uh, paralleled it for three months in bourbon casks. Yeah. And then afterwards, we steeped it in candied ginger with what? honey as well. With honey as well? Oh, that sounds yeah. super sweet. Actually, not too bad. We're, we're quite sensitive on having things that are overly sweet. We'd rather it balance against the spiciness of the ginger. Yeah. Oh, it, sounds, um, it sounds absolutely delicious. Yeah, I mean, one angle that I'm taking with it is that I want people to be starting to make gin tiki drinks. Oh, yes. Uh, so someone said to me, gin tiki? You mean geeky? Like, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. But the ginger, almonds, flavours and lime and, you know, making gin Mai Tai and things like that. I think there's a, there's a lot of scope to it, so that's exciting. I often think when I look at cocktail menus, why you can't just swap whatever alcohol you don't like with the alcohol you do like. So maybe, I don't know, instead of a, in a rum cocktail, if I put gin in, but that's not how it works, is it? That's not how... No. 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 Unfortunately not. The old switcheroo doesn't really work um, in cocktails. I spend a lot of time behind bars and... Uh, the one reality is that a whiskey martini or a vodka old fashioned just don't seem to work. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like a, I wouldn't like a, a rum bramble either. I'll be honest, it doesn't sound too good. No, 
No. Uh, yeah, best leaving things the way they are. Is, uh, yes, don't meddle. Why fix um, what's not yeah. broken? We've I... also got a Baccarat gin, so a Baccarat spiced gin. Mm. Um, that's going to be coming out side by side. And what that is, that was a collaboration we did years ago, and it was only done in small quantities, but it turns out that the liquid is absolutely incredible. Mm. And what we it's made a London dry, but we've included uh, cumin, clove, coriander, chili. And then we've balanced out all of those spicy, aggressive styles of botanical with some Jaffa orange peel. Oh, oh, good Lord. That sounds absolutely amazing. It is awesome. <laughs> absolutely awesome. You can, And the thing is, as well, it makes banging G&T with like a slice of orange and some chili flakes. Yeah. But also, you can taste it through the Campari and the gin, and the Campari and the vermouth in a in a Negroni, yeah, and in a Martini, like with a little splash of absinthe, yeah, amazing, oh, absolutely right. amazing. Oh god! Well, there's another three things for us to uh, lose a day with. That's good. Uh, back to the bottle. You always use corks. Is that would you would you not use a cap? No, I mean, again, going back to the fact that we also make whiskey, we wanted a bit of continuity, so. Yeah. You know, when you have a good quality, I, I hate the word premium, but that is what we are. If you've got a premium whiskey, you don't want a screw cap. No. Um, you know, what you want is a nice traditional cork. And you've got to admit, when you take the foil off and you hear the pop of the cork, oh, on yeah, a brand new that, yeah, no, there's thing, nothing. Aye. It just adds to it. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. You, you can't smell a screw cap. If you waft a cork under someone's nose, you're like, ooh, that's nice. If you just waft a screw, you've got a chance to cut the cut the middle out of the nose if you're not careful. So, well, exactly. I mean, I know some uh, some sommeliers who, um, they try to open screw cap elaborately and it's like, mate, stop fooling yourself. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, Emperor's New Clothes stuff, that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> But, um, so, well, that's great. Uh, onward and upward with uh, Cotswolds. Like I say, like, the first time we ever tried Cotswolds, I was absolutely blown away. Uh, it was at 40 St. Paul's. And I told... Uh, yeah, Ab- Amant and John. Yeah. And uh, I, went, I told them what my favourite gins were at the time. I said, I guess a new favourite one because of these two. It was Poetic Licence and Monkey. He goes, one second, goes to the bar, comes back, gives us a massive Cotswolds and tonic. And I was like, you know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> like, that's perfect. Oh, oh my God, they're so good. Um, they oh, yeah. won, when they won Best Drinks List last year, Yeah, I took them a magnum of gin to congratulate them. Yeah. If they win best in the world, then I'm going to have to get a bigger bottle size. Yeah. <laughs> a Jeroboam of gin. What's a Jeroboam? Um, so, Jeroboam is the size of a bottle. I think it's three litres. Three litres. It's what you have yeah, in scrumpy like, jacket. If, <laughs> if you look at wine and champagne, they always have, um, like, regular size, magnums, double magnums, Jeroboams, um, and then... You can get like Nebuchadnezzar's, Methuselah's. They're all named after Hebrew kings, and they represent different bottle sizes. There you go. I think a Nebuchadnezzar is like twenty liters. That's meant. Like that. I mean, how are you supposed to even pour it? You'd need a device. Yeah, there is a device. Oh, I've got there a silly me. Of course, there is. Yeah, yeah. What's well, a device called? Do you know? My Nebuchadnezzar pouring device. <laughs> is God. that what it's called? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. I haven't got time to come up with a name as long as it works. I so, mean, one thing I always learned was. Everything tastes better from bigger bottles. Yeah. So, you know what? Gin can fall into that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Someone wants to give me a three-litre bottle of gin, I'll love every drop. Yeah, exactly. Well, Rob, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, and thank you guys. I love listening to your podcast. Well, if we're ever down in your pods, we'll, uh, we'll come and try not to kill the pheasants on the estate. The pheasants look forward to it. <laughs> hey, thanks very much. Right, well, that was Rob from Cotswolds Inn. Thanks very much, Rob. brings the show to an end yes hope you've enjoyed it hope you're now studying the bottle in your hand with great interest yeah oh, on the table don't just keep it in your hand <laughs> you drink it however you want mm. just want to say huge thanks to rob patchett for the interview today yes very very good of him uh considering he was sat in the car freezing he was bless him because there's no there's no signal inside yeah sorry for the slight signal interruptions in that interview um rob was yeah, in the middle of nowhere, yeah. with no signal, freezing. freezing. So, so yeah. appreciate your dedication to the basically, cause there, Rob. Basically, the revenant. He was getting, yeah, yeah, exactly. He was getting interviewed as the revenant. <laughs> Let's just hope no bears interfere with him. Indeed, indeed. Let us know you're okay, Rob. Just, yeah. just send a signal, send a yeah. sign, anything. Also, uh, thanks to Steph McShane yes. from Arbor. Yeah, she, um, she, A, she gave us some gin, which I'm so excited about. And B, she told us all the interesting stories behind Agnes Arbor Gin. Yeah, and so quickly. Like, she was here and she went, oh, I'll get that to you in seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was in our inbox, which is remarkably quick. Yeah, absolutely. And also thank you to the Yorkshire Dales Distilling Company for all their help with the Ram Gin segment um yeah they were they were fantastic so thank you very much to all of you guys now uh we've had a couple of gin recommendations made to us this week haven't we matthew yes because uh we put out a post on instagram about our four favorite gins yeah fab four for 2018 yes that's uh, right our fab four were poetic license yeah cotswolds yeah. lone wolf mm-hmm. and monkey 47 yes and we said to our followers, if you've got your Fab Four for 2018, please send them in. Now, very kindly, Greg Miller, who I assume is based in Australia because they're all Australian gins. Yes, he's from Australia. And he sent us four... Good stalking. <laughs> he sent us four amazing looking Australian ones. So number one was the Milbourne gin company single shot gin this is apparently a multi-award winning australian gin normally they distill each of their botanicals separately in this version there's only one distillation but apparently it's, it's got this lovely complex mix of traditional australian native botanicals juniper and um, works very well neat or with a gnt mm-hmm. he's also recommended archie rosebush gin um this is apparently an attempt to bottle the Australian summer. Australian summer, so, yeah, in liquid form. So, barbecue runoff and surf <laughs> wax. Yeah, that's my understanding of Australia from my childhood. Yeah, but um, no, apparently it's more um, Australian botanicals from inland. Do you have to drink it in a ute? You have to drink it in a ute. Yeah, brilliant. Um, it's apparently very rich in flavour, so it goes well with fruit garnishes. Okay. I just found a cornflake on my dress and I ate it. Yeah, that's what we're dealing with, people. Um, a couple of others as well. Never Never Juniper Freak Gin. Mm. That sounds cool. Apparently very, very, very heavy. A juniper with the juniper and navy strength. Ooh. And Nosferatu Blood Orange Gin. Bottle's absolutely brilliant and it's a blood orange gin. I love the Malfi's Blood Orange Gin. So I yeah. think this will be a very nice one too. I'm really keen to try that. I... I <laughs> Part of me, especially this is a gin bottle show, 
onto the bottle. Yeah, the bottles of me, isn't it? It's so cool. It's got a, it's got a the silhouette. The silhouette Yeah. So thank Nos you. Nosferatu. 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 He was a vampire. Okay. Wouldn't he be? Be Draculaish. Okay. Sorry, not Draculaish enough. Uh, Greg, thank you very much for them. We will certainly give them a try if we can get hold of them. Yes, very much appreciated. Yeah, I don't know where. There's not a lot of Australian gins over here. And no, you don't see them in the shops. That seems to be taken off the Australian market. Yeah. I have to get hold of them. Yeah, absolutely. We should get a a gin from every place in the world and we'll have a gin world cup, a proper gin world cup. A proper gin world cup with actual gins from each country. Let's do that. It's on, deal. Yeah. If anyone lives in another country (laughs) and wants to go as a sample of the best gins they've tried in that country. Or just a list, yeah. (laughs) I mean, preferably we want free (laughs) shit. But yes, feel free to send us uh, recommendations. Or the gin world cup, yeah. All right. It's on. Okay, so I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Stay warm. Drink lots of gin. Apparently that keeps you warm. Yeah, uh, don't rely on that though. Hide the heat. Put the heat on as well, you know. Yeah. That's, yeah. uh, that's going to help. So uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Mother's Room Podcast was written and performed by Matthew Reed and Sarah Dunley. Theme tune written and performed by Holly Jazz Kotsier.